is a broke billionaire's thing. We don't have no money, but we have ideas, man. We are back with another episode with your hosts, Cal and the wonderful Chan. How you feeling, Christian? Hello, everybody. Welcome back. We hope everybody's quarantine is going smoothly. We Social have... distancing. Oh my goodness. Luckily for Let's... you guys, Cal and I are very used to social distancing <laughs> as we have never recorded an episode beside each other. Each other. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Uh, We've been practicing all along. Long. Y'all just been late to the party. Welcome to Social Distancing 101 with Cal and Chris. Um, well, we were, <clears throat> I guess we didn't get a chance to record. Well, no, we wanted to push it back a week because we wanted to do, um, uh, our episode this week on, you know, kind of a topic that, um, you know, it's really sad to talk about, to be honest, is like, you know, if uh, we're going to be talking about the, the trials of Gabriel Fernandez on Netflix, if anybody's heard about that, we've. We've done a Netflix uh, documentary series before when we talked about um, Aaron, um, Aaron Hernandez. Aaron Hernandez. And we also did, uh, oh, oh my goodness, uh, Now You See Me? Uh, yeah, When They See Us. Yeah, I said Now You See Me. That's the magic <laughs> movie. That's a movie on magic. <laughs> that When They See Us, When They See Us. So this is our third I guess, installment of a Netflix uh, series where we kind of talk about what we think about it, you know, how it affected us, you know, our thoughts on, you know, the decisions, you know, things of that nature. So I think this is going to be a good episode. And if you guys haven't watched it, um, there's going to be a bunch of spoilers in this episode. So if you don't want the spoilers and you're going to watch it at some point, then we recommend that you watch it and then, you know, come get back, come, come back. And then, you know, you can tell us our, your thoughts on it, um, DM us or whatever. And then, mm-hmm. you know, we'll tell you guys our thoughts about it. Um, but without further ado, we're kind of getting into this thing. So, Christian, thoughts, initial thoughts when you were watching this? So, this thing is six episodes. Um, it's on Netflix. Each episode is about 50 minutes long. Um, I'm not done it yet. I'm about four and a half episodes in. But... Mm-hmm. For the sake of this, since we do know the outcome of the case, this is a public case with a public trial, so we mm-hmm. do know all the facts, so we can still talk about it. But mm-hmm. as for so far, with I think Netflix, I think they did a really good job mm-hmm. of conveying the the suffering of Gabriel and um, the intricacies and the letdowns of the system and how the system has failed Gabriel and most possibly failed hundreds of other children. Yeah in the process that we don't even know about gabriel is just the poster child but yeah um i just really think it it does a really good job of shedding light um of just this this failure of the system and this brutal death of this eight-year-old um what about you cal i think like you know it's 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 just like you you start to see like you know this is i think that netflix does a good job of like i think and once again um i don't want i i I really don't want to be the person that always buys into sensational news uh and i just don't feel like this is sensational news uh because i i I don't know if anybody you know when you hear about things and you know the media hypes things up and you just don't know what to stop you know believe anymore but like you know when i'm watching this it's this is like real and like 
you know, you could feel the emotions of the family. And then not to mention like the suffering of a child like this is like crazy to think about. Mm -hmm. But like, I just think that they did a good job of conveying a lot of the information and just I think that Netflix has just been doing a good job with documentaries in general. I'm just a huge fan of just like all their shows. I'm I'm a fan of just like Netflix stuff, like when they do them stuff by themselves or they do an original series. I think they do like a good job of investigative reporting and not hyping things up too much and kind of staying true to the facts. So I just think it was good in terms of that. And then also it's just like, I don't know, it was just like a wake up call to something that I've never really thought about that much because I don't think it's something I'd experienced in my own life. Like, I'm sure that, you know, a lot of other parents, I mean, a lot of other, you know, you know, kids have like, you know, you're, you're like disciplined as a child, but like, you know, abuse is a whole different ball, you know what I mean? And so it just kind of opened my eyes to that too. So I think it, it was like the wake up call I needed to this, this side of the world that I hadn't really been paying attention to. So mm. that was like my, my thoughts on, on it like just a overview reflective thoughts yeah that's that's a really good analysis actually um but we've uh, compiled here um kind of just some to break down the case a little bit more and with a little bit of facts and so mm -hmm. we can kind of discuss these facts for the purpose of you guys who want to listen and learn more about the case or hear our opinions about the case and mm -hmm. essentially what happened um but we definitely, like, I don't know about you, but I, I definitely recommend giving this a watch. It is a little bit chilling, and it's not for all audience. If you yeah, can, like... Uh, if you're faint of heart and you can't take, the like, these gory details, because um, we're actually going to talk a little bit about these details here and here. We're not going to go too, too deep, but we will talk about some of them. And, yeah, uh, yeah it's it's not for the faint of heart, definitely. Yeah, so... First things first is, like, when you first... We'll just get into the first thing is, like, in the beginning of like the series like you realize that this kid died and you just don't know how he died and his name is gabriel fernandez like the you know the name of the series implies right and you know what happened is he was this kid that you know lived in los angeles county and you know uh 911 got a call that you know he had like been he the, the parents so pretty much he has his mom and his mom's boyfriend right um and they pretty much try to say at the beginning that he fell or you know he was roughhousing with his brother and something had happened to him he's not breathing anymore or whatever and like it's pretty creepy because like even in the phone call i almost even felt like there this is like fake you know fake grief it seems like this is fake grief when you're listening to the call in the documentary series because they're like calling and saying oh can you guys come you need someone here immediately or whatever and like sh they're just not answering questions directly you know what i mean mm -hmm. and when they got there you know he's naked he has a cracked skull he had his ribs are broken he has burns all over his body he had bb guns like bb pellets inside in his body like he had scratches all over his you know all over from head to toe he had like scratches burn marks scabs wounds um even around his private parts and it's just like you start to wonder, like, yo, this kid didn't just, like, fall. You know what I mean? Like, his skull is cracked, right? Um, and you just know, like, from the beginning, like, this is just not a normal, like, oh, some kid fell and, you know, he, he was roughhousing with his brother and all these things happened to him. You start to, like, realize, like, yo, this kid had been through some 
really pretty crazy things. You know what I mean? And, you know, what happens later is, you know, he's declared brain dead. And actually, in fact, when they rushed him to the hospital, they can't even, you know, they, they resuscitated him like multiple times. And then, you know, he was like in coma, I think. And then after that, you know, he's declared brain dead and then taken off life support like two days later. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's just a sad way. Man, you just never hear about an eight year old kid going through something so horrific like this. And you just start to realize, you know, what was happening to him. Um, and, you know, I'll let Christian take the reins on that. But that's like the beginning of the documentary series and like how it starts out. So, yeah, I mean, those were my thoughts when I when I first opened, you know, when I first started listening, it was just like really bone yeah. chilling, to be honest. Yeah, uh, I have the same like literally the same reaction like as soon as like this documentary starts out you just hear the the 911 call of uh his mom's boyfriend and he's just telling the operator oh he was he was playing with his brother and they were roughhousing yeah. and and it just seems like a normal 911 call and everything seems so normal until like even like the the responders like as they were looking at his body they were just like what is all this like what is all this other stuff on his body like mm-hmm. like yeah it's healing and this this probably didn't happen this other right, day but there, like but where like... yeah where did like this come from like this doesn't just happen to an 8 year old mm-hmm. this is like prolonged abuse and then um yeah like we do you want to get into those uh the facts about the case or we can yeah, talk a so, bit more yeah we can talk about like okay so like what happened is like after that you know, uh, the parents get put on trial or whatever. And, you know, the brother testifies and like, he has a little, he has an older brother. He has, I'm pretty sure. And the brother testifies and you start to find out some of the things that happened to this kid. Like, you know, he was, he was, he had to be, he was stuffed in a cabinet. He was, um, you know, he was gagged inside the cabinet while he was there. Like imagine as a, a eight year old child, you know, being, I don't even know, being stuck inside a cabinet to live in, like, and, you know, it's funny, like, it, it kind of changed my whole perspective on, like, I don't know, I don't want this to taint everything in my life and just make everything serious, but, like, even in Harry Potter, have you ever watched Harry Potter before? I have. You remember when the Dudleys made Harry Potter stay in, in the, you know, and, and you kind of think, like, oh, that's messed up. Mm-hmm. And, like, you kind of see this manifested in real life. And you're just, like, you start to believe, like, where's the humanity in the world? Like, it's crazy to think that someone's parent would do this to them, like, to the kid. You know what I'm saying? And then he was also, like, when they examined his body, they also found, like, cat litter. They forced him to eat cat litter. And, like... And feces, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, like, I don't know, man. It's It's pretty crazy to think about, like, the kind of torture a kid like that can go through and still have any sort of sanity, you know what and I mean? And Kel, I think you, you know how you touched on the broken bones? Mm-hmm. I think they found that those broken bones were previously broken. Oh, previous to that healed. incident. Yeah, so yeah they, they were in the, in the midst of healing. Um, and like, I don't know if anyone who's listening has ever had a broken rib, but um, they broken ribs are associated with like every every little movement 
causes hurts. pain. Yeah. Literally, like if you're trying breathing. to breathe, moving, yeah, moving your chest in and out, um, you're in pain. And just imagining this eight-year-old kid, he's just stuck inside this cupboard, just for, like in pain, just trying to breathe, being forced to eat his own vomit, being forced to eat cat litter, um, wearing, forced to wear female clothing because, um, because this is another, this is another fact. Um, so Gabriel, during his early life, he was raised by two male, two male fathers. Yeah. So it was his uncle and his uncle's partner. Boyfriend, yeah. Yeah. And um, apparently they were really good to him and they really treated yeah, him they really, really take well. care of him, yeah. Yeah, and they showed him a lot of love. And I think later on, uh, the uncle's partner ran into some trouble with ICE and he ended mm -hmm. up being deported. And so yeah. then Gabriel had to go live with his grandparents. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, I don't even know why he was taken away from his grandparents. Do you know why? I don't think I even remember why he was taken away from his grandparents. But the thing was, like, thinking about, like, he, he had a, up until that point, I think he had, like, a, you know, a decent childhood. Like, he was living a pretty normal life, you know. Absolutely. I feel like for, for the most part, you know, a lot of kids do end up, like, sometimes, like, moving from family member to family member but still being okay inside those situations you know it's yeah. difficult but like after you know he went from and that's the thing too like it i think it's a system failure and it's also people failing too because like the reason i think that you know his parents and his or his mom and his mom's boyfriend hated him so much when he came back to them was because they you know they said oh you you were raised by you're two gay. Gay. Yeah, yeah, and you're gay. You know what I'm saying? It's like gay is like a disease that you can transfer to someone else. That's like incredibly insane and ignorant. You know what I mean? And but so, then again, he did. He he did. Like, I don't think the parents like. I'm not trying to defend them or anything, but mm -hmm. I think Gabriel thought he was gay. Yeah, and, and uh, he would tell them he, that. Yeah, because, because yeah, he, he was raised. Them. Yeah, he was raised with them. So but, it's uh, just like any kid would assume. Oh, you know, if I'm growing up like it's it's almost like the adopted kid that's you know maybe black or white and and is raised by you know a family of a different color and then they grow up thinking oh i just happen to be shade although i am still black you know what i'm saying i can i can i, I can see how that happens to a little kid but to just assume that you know i think just the small mindedness of his his mom's boyfriend um to just beat him for something that, you know, a kid doesn't understand anything like this. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they talked about in the documentary series that sometimes there's always the scapegoat child that, you know, that, and once again, you have to think about their family. They're, his mom and his mom's boyfriend are very successful people. They're people that live paycheck to paycheck kind of thing. And, you know, they, they're not doing much with their lives, to be honest. Right. And so they attribute all their failures, quote unquote, to a kid that has no control over what they, you know, and so Say it's just again. sad to, it's like they attribute all their failures to, you know, a kid that has no control over anything that they do. Their life is in their control. So all of the mistakes that they've made up until this point is their own fault. But, you know, that's a defense mechanism of projecting, projecting you know, your failures onto something else because you're too you're too scared to face it on your own is what it really boils down to, in my opinion. Um, and so when he moved from, you know, uh, 
his uncle and his uncle's boyfriend to his grandparents and then back to his um, parents, that's, I think, when the abuse really started. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Yeah. And going into some facts about the case, um, we know that Gabriel was fatally beaten after he didn't clean up his toys. Quote, unquote, like, clean up your toys is a reason to get beat. It's actually crazy. So, yeah, being found naked with a cracked skull, shattered ribs, severe burns, and BB pellets inside your body just because you didn't clean up your toys. Just try and think about that for a second. Like, how many times have I left my toys? <laughs> how, like, unclean. If, and, like, if, if I could tell you how many I'd not be. That's a reason for me to, like. Cal, say that again. You're cutting out again. I'll cut oh. this out. Is it actually cutting out still? Yeah, it is. I'm actually so I think I need to get closer to the giant. Anyway, but even like I can't even imagine all come home and not cut out again. Damn. Right now? Yeah. How is this possible? I don't know. I think I actually think it's the mic, bro. I think I might have to get a new mic. That's just it. Bro, that's sad. Anyway, um, but to even think about like how many times I come home and like not have my mate, my bed made or anything. That's not a reason for, you know, I think there's a, a fine line between being, I don't know. Like, I just don't even think they were parents. They they just weren't parents. That's what it boils down to. He just happened to live in the same household with two. Like when I, when I think about them, I really, I was talking to my sister about this is like, I haven't, I mean, that's the thing. I've watched documentaries about serial killers and, you know, kind of thought to myself, like, man, these people are crazy. And, like, they have, like, some serious problems that they need help with. And, like, I think they're evil. But, like, to abuse a child is, I think, like, a whole another level of, like, evil that, you know, I just, I sometimes I just don't feel it's, like, forgivable, to be honest. Hmm. Um, but... This I think another thing that this really goes down goes down to is me and Christian were talking before we started recording is a little bit about this is like it really boils down to a system failure like the system really failed him because if we think about the documentary what happened is like he would actually show up to school multiple times and his teacher would um, document all the things that happened to him and she called you know, the hotline for, you know, child abuse, right? And they had someone working on it. And, you know, there's this lady that would come that she would tell, like, over periods of time, like, sometimes he would come back, come to school, and his head was shaved. And then he had the BB pellets, his lip was busted, like, another time, like, yeah. And then this funny thing is because they they were interviewing different people, and they interviewed one of his classmates during that time is like, she was explaining how Gabriel was. He was just a very nice kid. He, you know, he really wanted to make people happy. Um, you know, he just the inherent goodness of a child. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And she would say that, you know, after these things started to take place over the period, like a course of a period of time, you know, you could see him slowly changing as a person. Like he, his temper, he's, she, the, the girl described that his temper would be, you know, he had a, he was quick to temper. He wasn't mean. He wasn't a bully or anything. But you could start to see that this was slowly having you know serious you know mental effects on on a child, or because this is happening so much. 
attempt any and once again it's like a, a child can't really figure out what they're doing wrong you know they're always and i feel like children inherently also want to please their parents so imagine being a kid that doesn't know what the right thing to do is you come home and you're trying to get good grades and that's another thing about gabriel too is that you know he he was from you know the interview with his classmate she was claiming that he's a very you know bright young man bright student you know he got a's he he had gotten reading award in class at some point and it was so sad even she was saying like uh she was talking to him and she he, she he was like she i think she asked him like maybe like why aren't you like so happy or aren't you excited or something he's like yeah he's like he was like yeah i just wish my mom was here to see this you know what i'm saying and the part that like really like it really really moved me to like show this like show his true colors of of the man or like the child that gabriel fernandez was is when like so his mom had pretty much confirmed i mean sorry the teacher had pretty much confirmed um by talking to Gabriel and she'd be like, what happened like to your eyes? Why do you have black eyes? And he would mm -hmm. say like, oh, I fell off my bike. And then she's like, no, what actually happened? And he would say like, oh, my mom punched me in the face. <laughs> and and then afterwards, it's like the kids are working on like a Mother's Day gift where like the kids are, are, are making, are decorating these cards to write to their mothers. And then she pulls Gabriel aside and she's like, oh, I, I totally understand if you don't want to do this. And I can get a different activity for you. And he's like, no, no, like I want to do it. And then he starts decorating and writing this card to his mom, writing mom. I love you so much because you are awesome. And because you're great, you're a great you're mom. Beautiful, you're beautiful. Pretty. Yeah. You're my mom is pretty. And like, and I love that you love me. And yeah, just <laughs> like, what? Like, this is, this just makes no sense to me. And, and it's, is, he just wants love back. That's just it. Yeah. He wants love and, back. And that's like what a lot of kids are searching for too. And I think that I'm reading this book for work right now and it's called um, Extreme Ownership. And one of the chapters talks about keeping it simple. And this, and I want to talk about that because, you know, it's the system that failed this child, right? And part of it is because there's so much, you know, confusion with i think it's d what is it dchs uh the yeah the, like the department for home and families family yeah, yeah, yeah. like that yeah. so they have a lot of departments and they get a lot of funding they're the biggest like uh department for children and families in the nation i'm pretty sure and so you know when you have a system that big and like we also talked a little bit about this when we were doing uh when they see us, <laughs> I didn't get it wrong that time. Uh, when we were talking about when they see us is, you know, people suffer when the system isn't in place correctly, right? Yeah. And so they had multiple, they had this social worker that worked on this case, which is considered an emergency case, which one of the social workers that was interviewed saying, and a person that's new as a social worker shouldn't be assigned a case like this because they just don't know the extent of the abuse and what to look out for. Someone with multiple years of experience in this field is the person that needs to be put on this case. And the reason that this sucks too is because there's a lot of social workers, not to say that I'm not, they're not to blame as well because, well, I, I think I, have, I feel two ways about it. But the first thing is, you know, someone that had more experience and tenure in the job should have been someone that was put on this case, first of all. Second of all, um, in like I was talking about in that book, 
one of the, the chapters they talk about is keeping it simple. And they give this example of, you know, they have a bonus structure for a company, right? And they wanted to, the company really wanted to see, you know, improvements in their sales or whatever, right? And they had this very complicated bonus structure that, that they were really proud of. And they thought that, wow, this is going to be what puts us puts us on the map and, you know, have our employees work really hard to, you know, work towards getting their bonus. And it's an incentive for them to, you know, sell more and do better with their job. But they saw no improvement at all. And the reason why is because the system was too complicated, right? And I'm not saying that I know how to fix this problem, but there has to be people that are signed to, you know, fix situations like this because, you know, there are so many cases that we just don't know about, like we were talking about earlier, that this could be happening to multiple children, right? But the social workers, you know, they're overworked, right? And then on top of that, you have to put the right people with the proper training in front of the right cases. So yeah, on top Cal, of the fact that- what you said- Oh, sorry, continue, sorry. What were you going to say? I was Because you said that they should have put someone who is more trained on the case, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, I just think that if you're working as a social worker, you should yeah. already be properly trained. It's like a doctor, for example. Like mm -hmm. doctors go through years of residency so that they're prepared for it, so that they can't, no one can make an excuse like, oh, this doctor's not as experienced. This person died as a result of it, et cetera, yeah, et cetera, et cetera. That's true, too. Like, because... because this, like social working, you're working with people's lives as well. Like yeah, you have the potential right. to yeah. save a child or continue like have a child continue on this abusive path which they have no power of of saving themselves so you are saving people's lives the same way and because of the social worker failed to act i believe like they they are somewhat negligent and i think too it, it boils down to how she and this is like i'm not critiquing her job but i feel like you know I, and once again hindsight is 2020 20, once again like we could say all of this and once again, we're not in this situation, but, you know, from a perspective view on the outside, you know, what I'm seeing is this kid, like they should have escalated the situation even higher because what happened is, you know, after the teacher would talk to this lady, the lady would go visit the house and she's, you know, the parents are telling him, the parents are telling the social worker, oh no, he's confused. You know, he just came back from his grandparents. He's just really searching for attention. And then every time after he comes back, from that, he'll be missing for multiple days after she comes to visit their house. And then when he comes back to school, he has more and more bruises, more cuts, you know, more things that are happening to his body. And the teacher's like, I don't know what to do anymore. If I tell the social worker and she goes over there, she does nothing. This kid comes is missing and then comes back every time to my class, even more hurt. So I can't help him. And then on top of that, she tried to bring this up to the principal. The principal said, we're not supposed to be investigating. So what are you supposed to do? Like the system failed. That's what it, that's the, that's the angering part about this. Like, how do you win? Like there needs to be someone that can protect a child in a situation like this. And this is just the child that we happen to find about, find out about. Right. And it just makes you angry. That's really what it is too. Also with, with the teacher, like. There was portions of this documentary where the social workers were like not the social workers, but one of the social workers within the organization was being interviewed. And she was saying, oh, the teacher, if she she really knew it was going on, she would have like grabbed the student and said, you're not leaving my room until yeah. like I figure something out. Like, I don't like that. Like, 
I think she should have really taken responsibility from because like the social workers, like that's the social worker's job to make sure to look at all the facts, to even look past what the parents are telling you because parents are just half the side of it. Mm-hmm. You can't just because that's that was what the problem was in this situation because they have to the social workers aside and talk to him like exactly. they, they you have to kept, understand yeah. that kids also have a conscious they have being they're not dumb like Amen. kids pick up on more things than you know we think that they do like they emulate a lot of the things that you know they see in a household and you could see that as like that little girl was explaining he would come to class angry his 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 temper you know his mental was slowly changing. And if she had done her due diligence to, you know, interview him over the course of a period of time, she would have seen these small changes and small changes like this just don't happen just because of one thing, you know, there, I feel like, you know, emotions are fleeting, right? But then, you know, you could get mad about something and be over it, right? And the Mm -hmm. next day you'll be okay. But you experience this kind of thing over and over and over again, it starts to... entangle within your character and you could start to see a character change slowly in this child right and one of the things about the social workers as well is they were making the defense that you know sometimes they're just overworked they have 30 plus cases i don't know do you guys need to hire more people i i don't know what the fix is and once again as a third party perspective it's so easy for me to give out all these ideas on what they should do to help fix the problem and once again, these are things that they're going to need to review on themselves, but they're saying that they're overworked. They have 30 plus cases to work on. There needs to be some kind of fix for this. Do you guys, if they have this, all this funding and they're the biggest, you know, this or the biggest department in the country for something like this, you would think that there would be enough people that would want to, you know, work in this department. If you have, you know, this kind of funding and, you know, 30 plus cases per person, no one's going to be able to work that realistically so there needs to be either a better delegation of all these cases or you need to hire more people i don't know what i think it could have been okay because like there's one thing if um and once again not every probably not every situation is high risk like this but and everyone doesn't need the attention that this case deserved right so maybe even like maybe the 30 doesn't matter but please continue what you're saying so in this case, it wasn't like someone did their job correctly and they were deceived by a parent. It was yeah. because they did their job incorrectly that this happened. So I believe that as long as they follow their procedures that they were, they were properly taught to follow, no matter the amount of cases, if they just follow it according to the book, more often than not, they'll catch this abuse happening and they'll be able to do something about it. It's just the fact that this person was almost like, like, okay, um, I get in at nine, I get out at five. I'm just going to quickly rush through my job and then just get home so that I can just do whatever I want to do. When in reality, you're there to make a difference in the lives of children and prevent abuse and save children and make a difference inside your community and those around you. And what this social worker failed to do was just that. She just talked to the parent. Like there's literally recordings of the phone calls where she would be talking to gabriel fernandez fernandez's mom and she would just be asking her about the facts of what happened and then the mom would just dismiss it like oh yeah he's just mad he misses his grandparents he wants attention right now and then the person's like oh okay no not a problem thank you so much for answering the call all right have a good one bye and then you can just tell the person has zero care 
whatsoever. And so I just also think that when they hire people, they also need to make sure that they're actually passionate and they actually care about what they're doing rather than just getting a decent paycheck. Yeah. And ultimately, you know, what ends up happening to these people is, you know, Pearl Fernandez pleaded guilty to first degree murder admitting to that Gabriel's death was by torture, right? They were lying about it the entire time. It's funny because throughout the documentary, you could see them trying to communicate and try to get their stories right. It's like, you clowns, you guys are actually idiots. And then... Um, well, can, uh, we talk about, can we talk about his mom for a second? Yeah, that's another thing too. His mom... Go ahead. Like, like her, her history, her past. So I had zero idea about this because as soon as you hear about this documentary, as soon as you hear about the case, you just hear about like the, the, the specifics about the torture, about what happened to him and how these people are monsters. But you don't really hear about his parents, yeah. like the, the, the boyfriend or, or his mom. So his mom actually was like a, a dropout at age 12, I believe. And she started taking methamphetamine and drinking heavily at that age and she never returned to school so as you can already see that she has very little education yeah, it, yeah, and stunted brain develop yeah stunted brain development because we a lot of us know that uh your brain finishes developing at age 25 and if you're taking these different drugs prior to full brain development you are definitely stunting that development and your brain will only develop to a certain extent or to a certain level i'm sure it'll even stop yeah some way through there so probably like a teenage aged brain which has uh areas that are undeveloped like potentially like empathy consequences and decision making but i'm not making excuses for her by any means no and there's also like examples that she was uh she's experienced rape and gang rape on multiple occasions because they said when she was younger um that she'd been someone that you know she had been abused as well Um, yeah but that's because she ran away and Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then also her boyfriend just didn't have, you know, a great past either. I'm pretty sure he was um he was arrested at one point and you know, he's just someone that kinda held down a steady job. Um, you know, they were just uh, you know, a match made in hell, to be honest. Uh mm-hmm. that came to to inflict torture on this child. Um and so it goes back to like there's a culmination of these things that ended up, you know, affecting this child. But, you know, what happened is, you know, Pearl Fernandez was ultimately found guilty of, you know, torturing her child and, you know, intentional murder. And her boyfriend, I think his name was Tony, uh, was convicted at trial of first degree murder with uh, them confirming that he should be, you know, get the death sentence. Um the judge told them, I hope you think about the pain you caused your child and that it tortures you. You know that that's crazy to me because a judge is someone, yeah, a lot of times that's supposed to be completely objective and everything. And at the end, you know, when you see something like this and it makes a judge say something like that to you, it's just like, you know, you're mm-hmm. going to be there for a while. And yep. I hope you rot there, to be honest. Um because what he did, what he suffered was like inhumane. And like I was saying, it was in the, like the judge said too, it was like nothing short of evil. That's that's the best way that it can be put. And I think the beautiful thing about this too, well, <laughs> not this, this, but 
is like the I feel like once the community heard about this, and I I don't know if it's just because of just the documentary or whatever, and I don't think it it wasn't out at that time. The community re really came together, um, you know, to bring this case to light. You know, a lot of people were saying justice for Gabriel. Like, how could something like this, you know, happen to this child? But what I didn't like too was um, this idea of in the documentary they also talk, you know, this the rights for adults. Hold up, you're cutting out again. Oh, I Give moved away from the mic. That's why. But in the documentary, they talk about something, what they call, well, it wasn't really rights for adults or whatever. Mm -hmm. But they were just saying a lot of the time that the reason that they're really slow or cautious or the case workers are cautious, social workers are cautious to take kids away from their family and this is not an excuse for them again, but they, they're they cautious to take away kids from their families because they see a, a significant decline in, I guess it's like functioning or, you know, the overall happiness of the child, whatever it is, if they're taken away from their family unit. But then you have to think to yourself, like, and people were advocating, yes, rights for rights for their parents or whatever. But like, yo, come on here. Like, if you see this happening... Like, what right does the parent have to the child anymore? They gave that up once they, they started abusing the child. That's mm -hmm. it. You're no longer a parent. You are now a risk for the child. That's it. You've lost your your privilege. I think it's a privilege to be a parent, yeah. you know? And once you start doing that, you shouldn't have any right to that child anymore. Um, Agreed. And so this idea of, you know keeping a family together just because they're a family is not, I don't, it doesn't exist because there are the situation. Yeah. Like they should not have been kept together, but like, I definitely understand their protocol with how that's the last resort of like taking the child just because of the PTSD that it does cause for children. Like I know that you just think about it like, Oh, save the kid from the family. But like, it's like, look, Gabriel was willing to write his mom an I love you thing for Mother's Day. He clearly still loved his mom. He clearly still had positive feelings towards her, even though she was literally torturing him. So it's definitely the same thing with all these other abused children. I think so I think the last them out of their arms of the parents, then it's just it's PTSD. I think the last thing that I'll give my thoughts on that, but the last thing that they should have ever even I think that the, it shouldn't even come to this by an eight-year-old child writing a suicide letter, and they talked about it. Yeah. Like, the, the, the social worker found out about this. And still, he was still with his parents after. And they claimed it was for attention. But let's get real here. Like, I know it might cause, and I, I guess I have a different view on this, but I really believe that, and I think I'm someone that just in the way that I grew up, maybe because I was at MMS and, you know, I was surrounded by friends, well, friends, but I consider the family. A lot of the people that I grew up with at MMS is like, sometimes you don't get to choose your family, but sometimes the people you're around is just as close as family. And even though it might not be blood, I don't think that's the thing that makes family. It, regardless if you're the parents or not, like, it doesn't matter. Like, people are able to find family. That's, there's a reason that there's adoption and you know, people able to, you know, live with step parents or whatever, it, it really blood really 
it is something, but it also is nothing at the same time. Uh, because there are people that could care just as much about you, if not more, than your family, your parents, or whoever. Because there are probably so many kids that, you know, they, they're keeping with parents that shouldn't have them because, you know, they're quote-unquote blood. And it could have, I guess, devastating effects on a child. But what's more devastating? At, at the end of the day, are we going to risk a child's life? Um, for them, I guess, I mean, it's going to be hard. I'm not saying it's not going to be hard. I'm not saying that at all. But what I'm saying is I'd rather, you know, a child, you know, have some kind of deal with, you know, being taken away from their parent that's abusing them and then in a situation like this end up dying. Yeah, I mean, I obviously think it's a case-by-case basis, but I, I was just saying, like, I do agree with, with their protocol of how it is the last yeah, resort. I guess, yeah. Because, like, you can always, like, because the thing is, is abuse, like physical abuse, I, that's not yeah, legal. Right. That's not legal. Mm-hmm. So um, there's a lot of options. Like, it could, in many cases, it's just one parent doing it. And so they leave it with the, they leave the, the child with the other parent and then they arrest the other parent. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's why it's like a very last resort where I guess they don't have exact evidence to say, okay, the parents are abusing him, but they just see marks all over his body. And then they're like, okay, we just need to get this kid out of here because we don't know what the heck is going on, but this kid is getting abused. We don't know if it's his brother. We don't know if it's like another family member. We don't know if it's them. We just need to get this kid out of here. So, and yeah. I guess I understand that it's the last resort in the sense that maybe some some behaviors are coachable. Like if you're disciplining your child too hard and, you know, maybe the school finds about it and they think that something's going on at home, mm-hmm. you know, there's a social worker that's assigned to the case and you're coached on maybe how to discipline the child correctly, how, you know, to address problems at home. There are things like this that I guess can be coached, right? But yeah. when it comes to abuse, that should be out of the question. I I, I yeah, like let me let me shed some like of my like personal. So when I was in in grade two or second grade, as you guys in America say it, <laughs> um, <laughs> so my parents wouldn't really hit me, but like if you ever do something bad, you get like a slap on the wrist or whatever, or you get like a slap on the butt or like a pinch like underneath the thighs or whatever. Like a, a, a lot of a lot of parents do that, mm-hmm. um, and uh, but like being an innocent kid. Um, I think they were just talking about like being hit in class or whatever, and then I was just like, "Oh, my parents hit me," and then like the lady just like <laughs> looks like, at us, she's like, they like, what? like, what? like, wait, what?" And this is because like this was in Toronto, and I was like yeah. one of the only like black kids in the room. I was like yeah. probably one of two black kids in the room, so like they're they're probably thinking like, "Oh, what? This kid is in domestic violence," and then there was like one of those. Uh, domestic violence ladies or whatever that was in the room and so she's like christian i'm coming home with you today so like she like <laughs> followed she followed me home and then came home she was trying to get his parents and she came him. and she came to like into my house and she talked with my parents and my parents were like yeah like this <laughs> they're just like yeah like uh we just give him a slap on the butt if he's like <laughs> out of line and then they're like oh christian and then i'm like and they're like is this true christian and i'm like yeah and i'm like that's what i thought you were talking about i don't know why you followed me home and then uh, it was, it was funny. All right. see that's see that's different you know it like, happens I to my friends too yeah see like disciplining is a different thing like that's a different ball game and like i get i guess i had i don't know i got disciplined more as a child i definitely got 
you know, the belt to my butt a couple of times. But mm-hmm. that's because I felt like I deserved. Like I lied. Like I would skip school. Like I would leave my house at times I was never supposed to leave my house. Like, and I was also stealing. And like, you know, I was just wasn't like a, you know, you know, the clear cut good kid. Right. And like, I also believe in like, you know, spare the rod. Sometimes you spoil the child. So like, there needs to be some kind of disciplining. I feel like that needs to happen. But then when it crosses the line, that's, you know, that's just like, that's a different thing. Like, you know, and, and, <laughs> you know, after that, like I was saying, like, you lose the right to have the child. That's it, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And I kind of agree with what they got in the end, like his parents. Oh, I or not? Well. That was even his parents, the two, the two monsters that happened to live in the same household as him. Mm-hmm. The jury did a really good job of just examining, examining all the evidence and just saying, you know what? These people don't deserve to be on the street. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. And but that's, but that's uh, the Gabriel last... Fernandez case. Like, I don't know. For the, you know, I think it was a very good Netflix documentary. If you're not, if you're someone that's sensitive to like abuse and stuff, I wouldn't recommend it because like they really, you see pictures and stuff and they really go into detail about, you know, how it looked you know, the kind of things that happened to his body. And it's, I don't know, like, just made me cringe sometimes. It's just like, I I, I was t- telling this to my sister, like, I didn't know people, I, I might have said this earlier, but it just blows my mind over and over again that people like this actually exist. That there's, there's people that walk this earth that do this. It's wild to me. It's a wild concept. Mm. Mm. yeah and just like my final notes as well just this kid was just a bright really warm kid who loved to play and and spend time with his family and spend time with friends just like all these other curious kids at his age and um i just think it's just really unfortunate how the system failed him and i think like this shouldn't have happened and that this wake-up call should just be um, really taken seriously and not just like the social working system but all other systems that deal with vulnerable populations and children and and they, we really need to check and and add these checks and balances into place to make sure that people are doing their jobs but ultimately like those vulnerable populations are looked after and i think it's also and by no means are we professionals in this like no one Unless you have a degree to be working on this, like, and if it's blatantly obvious to you, I feel like just like that teacher, like if you see stuff like this, something needs to be said. And it's just like something I never really considered before, like before this, because it's nothing I've ever experienced in my life. You know, you just, ignorance is bliss when you just don't know about, you know? And so I, I believe now if, I don't know if I'm ever going to run into this. I hope, I hope to God I'd never do. Right. But if I'm talking to a kid and they're talking to me and saying like some pretty crazy stuff like this, I'm gonna have to like that now is like I'm open, my eyes have been open. I if I I don't know if I'm in a situation that I'm it, it makes me super uncomfortable and like they're telling me about I don't know because sometimes these kids talk kids really do talk and and they'll tell you something and then they'll they'll try to correct it later and. If you hear this, I think like, you know, in a non, I don't know if it's non-subtle way, somehow find out 
what's going on and make sure that the person is okay because you know sometimes it's just like it's you know it's not my situation i don't know you don't want to get involved in that but like as people all living here i feel like we all have some kind of responsibility to make sure like you know people are okay <clears throat> yeah so those are my thoughts yeah and i just also wanted to give a shout out to uh, his brother for testifying against his parents because yeah like, still having a hard yeah, he still had the moral compass to know, like, this was wrong, even though his parents were probably feeding him lies, like, oh, your brother is, is this, your brother is this, he's a terrible and person. They did. He and the all thing this. is, they weren't, like, abused like he was, like Gabriel no, was. No, so but he was he threatened. Was, he, yeah, was he was threatened. threatened. They, were, they would tell him that if you talk about this, then we're going to do the same thing to you. To you. And it's, it's so hard when you're being threatened like that to say something, but, you know, to have the wherewithal at that age to you know to speak up is so scary and then yeah. to do it it's just nothing short of applaudable because he was really young too he was only 12 yeah he's i he think died. he's only 12 yeah he's only like yeah. i mean so. so and his sister is just a little bit younger than him. you know yeah, yeah. Absolutely. crazy crazy documentary definitely you guys should jeff check it out i think it opens your eyes if you've never been in a situation like this that's something that just to pay attention to more and you know just i guess you know be an advocate for it now mm -hmm. absolutely yeah same thing guys highly 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 recommend you guys check it out definitely eye-opening um and yeah so if to any of the uh to anybody listening who might know um any children who are being abused or you just don't know what to do. Um, there is a hotline, um, depending on where you're at, but the easiest way is just to type in child abuse hotline on Google. Um, there is help anonymously, and you can definitely get these kids the help they need because they can't do it without you. Exactly. So thank you, guys. It's been another episode of The Broke Billionaires. We love, we love you. you. Thank you so much yeah, for joining we'll catch us. catch you guys. Uh, on the next episode, thank you for joining us. Uh, Cal and Creechan will be out, but we'll be back as always for the next episode. You know,